I'm the mom who knows nada. My name is Brianna. This is the Mama Knows Nada podcast. I have an old friend and colleague coming to us from Israel today. So I'm super stoked to catch up with her because we haven't had a chance to see each other or converse in years. Um, this is Hila, and we might have a special guest joining us. Um, and one of my favorite things that I was asking Hila before we hopped on here was, uh, what languages is she speaking to her son in? Because you know, like five, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, I speak, I speak three languages fluently, but um, mm-hmm. I wish I knew five. I can say like a few words in, in maybe French or whatever I learned in school, but I don't. Yeah, yeah uh, Hebrew, Spanish, and English. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you know more than than you think you do. That's for sure. So anyway, Hila, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, Thank you. Let's get right to it. What were you thinking and feeling when you found out you were pregnant? Um, I was super, super excited, and also I was really hoping um, that nothing goes wrong. I don't know why, maybe because me and my sisters, we were um, all like more interesting kinds of pregnancies for my mom. I, I mm. was worried I'm going to have something of a interesting kind of pregnancy myself, but thank God everything went smoothly, except for oh. the birth. The birth was <laughs> something, something else, but I'm sure we're going to get that too. But um, we were, we used, um, insemination so oh wow yeah so it was the first try and it was not like spontaneous or whatever you they call it or it is spontaneous but not exactly i mean (laughs) they have this thing called spontaneous pregnancy right which even if you're trying to get pregnant with ivf it's spontaneous Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel spontaneous if you have to plan it so much (laughs) But it's spontaneous if it works, right? You I never guess, know. Yeah. You're never I guaranteed guess, yeah. that. Oh my gosh! So you guys wanted to have a kid, and you were excited about. It. Oh, that's so awesome! I've been really waiting for a while because um, I was trying to get pregnant before with my ex, um, mm. and after a year of trying naturally, he decided he doesn't want to be a father, so we broke up, and ah. that's when I went back to Israel. And this time around, I was like, there's no time to waste. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I've been ready. Do you think you'll try for more kids? I hate to ask that question, but. I don't know. I don't know. I'm okay. I'm celebrating my 40th birthday in less than, well, in, in less than two months. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's I'll have exciting, to see. though. I mean, it's so interesting Then we can go down a fertility rabbit hole later. One of my friends in California, she'll be 40 in October and she's just pregnant with her first. So, um, yeah, you just never know what your, what the diet, how, what's the, where the chips may fall, if you will. Yeah. Um, So tell us a little bit about your birth experience. What was that like? Well, um, I'll, I'll introduce the baby right here because he's the sweetest <laughs> thing eating a book right now. So this oh, is yay. Negev. And like his mama, Negev didn't want to flip over and he was breached. So um, I tried a couple of natural things like acupuncture and swimming mm-hmm. in the pool a lot, but I didn't want to do the 
external flipping because I heard it's yeah. really stressful. So he was uh, born in a cesarean surgery, mm -hmm. um, which I didn't imagine would be so traumatic for my body, but it was mm. very hard, very hard. <laughs> and um, three days before he was born, my husband had back surgery, like spine oh surgery. Oh, my God. So we were both... <laughs> It was hard to take care of them. My mom stayed with us for three weeks, thankfully, and, and helped us a lot. Oh, my gosh. Was it hard for you to move after your it was, um It was really painful where the surgery was done. Like, But um, for I think they, they make you get up, out of bed the, the same day, like maybe six hours okay. after the surgery, because they say it's really important for you to heal. But I, I wasn't able to stand up straight for a couple of days. And, of course, you get a lot of pills and medicines, so you don't feel the pain. But once they're like, okay, it's been three days, you don't need the pain medication anymore. Then you have to get out of bed every three hours to feed the baby. And at home, you don't have the, you know, thing to pull yourself up, like at the hospital. So you're like, oh, <laughs> falling out of bed, basically. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. So you delivered in Israel. How long were you in the hospital for post C-section? Five days. Five days. Mm -hmm. Wow, that isn't that is a long time. I didn't realize that's how long it was. It's standard oh, for the surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they want to make sure you're healing fine. Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think I might be the same in the states, but I don't. I don't know because I've never. That was not my experience, but I, I think it's similar. So it's just interesting. What about like the cost, like in healthcare? Like, how does healthcare work in Israel versus here? I am not sure how it goes in the states, but <laughs> um, I do remember it being quite costly in Israel because we are really like, let's make more Jews fast. Then everything that has to do with birth is free. I mean, it's, Sorry, that was really it's, funny. Paid, it's paid by the, the country, by the government. Yeah. So I was hospitalized for five days, but I didn't have to pay anything. Of course, I'm paying oh, wow. um, health care, but that's it. Oh, that's awesome. Just good to know for like a comparison sake, like just out of pocket. And I think I was in the hospital three days and whatever it was, but like out of pocket, we still had to pay like $8,000. Hey, what do you have to say? Say hello. I'm here. Look at me. <laughs> um, so, so how has this first year? Because he's not quite one yet, correct? He'll be one no. soon. He was born in the end of July, so there's still a couple of a few months left. Um, oh. But uh, Negev has made sure it's not boring because he was born with hip dysplasia, just like I have, or I had. Um, and I was, um, I had a cast on my legs when I was nine months old and they took it off when I was one year old and it did the, it, you know, it did the work, but this guy, he had straps on for three months and then he was in a cast for two weeks and it's still not working. So in a couple of days, we're going to be hospitalized for three weeks and he's going to be tied to a bed where they're going to slowly spread apart his legs and add weight. So they pull oh, the leg out of the socket. Basically, it's not in the socket at all. 
So they want to pull the leg to lengthen the ligaments and everything and then try to put it back in place. And then he'll be in a cast for three months. If that doesn't oh work, he'll need surgery. Oh my gosh, that's such a lot of stuff for a little buddy. <laughs> yeah. Just but a little he, bubba. As you can Why tell you me. Why gotta make it difficult? Why you gotta make it difficult, huh? <laughs> Somebody told me they're teaching me stuff, right? Somebody up yeah. there or down here, they're trying to teach me stuff. More oh, patience, yeah. to be more time with my baby. I don't know what, but I'm trying to learn. <laughs> I'm trying to look at it that way. Well, that's all we're we're all trying to do. So I think that's yeah. I I feel that statement very Learned much. Lessons, so. yep. What what kind of transition has it been? Because you have your own business and you've always been a worker. So how has it been to like, you know, you're bedridden after the surgery. Now you have this child who needs some help. Yeah. What has this transition for you been? It's been it's been challenging because. For a really long time, my business was my baby and I put like all my time and effort in it. And then, um, but I've also been waiting for negative for so long that um, I knew right away, I'm gonna like set some time apart and just be a mom. But I didn't know that it's gonna be so tough. And then I stayed home for three months, but really after a month, I um, called, the amazing lady that I started working with a couple of years ago and she's basically taken over and like managing the business for me and just calling me with questions and letting me know what's going on. But she, she took over and she's doing a wonderful job and I'm super, super lucky I found her. Um, but after a month I already called her up and I'm like, keep me in the loop. I need to know what's happening. Like I need to not just be a mom. I need to be Hila, the boss again, or Hila, the woodworker again, or um, anything else, but like a, a milk machine. Well, that didn't work either, but a feeding machine and uh, a caretaker. And uh, after three months, I decided to put him, Shh, you're disturbing mommy. <laughs> after three months, I decided to put him uh, in a private, um, it's not a daycare, but it's a, a caretaker that has another baby with her and mm -hmm. to go straight back to work. Yeah, and I missed it. him every day, but I had to get out of the house. I had to not, not like be, I couldn't be a full-time mom like I thought I want to be or a, a stay-at-home mom. I think you just like explained what a lot of women go through, you know, and I think that's, you think that it's going to be one way and then you get into it and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, all day, every day. And all I'm doing is getting a snack and making a meal and cleaning it up and then doing all the laundry. And you're like, there is more to me than this. Like, how do I find that, you know, sweet spot? Like, I don't know about what you think, but I feel like finding that like sense of balance is always a sliding scale. You know, it's like, especially as kids get older, like, yeah, they're more independent, but then they have like, my son is in like three different activities. So I pick him up from preschool and then I take him to an activity. So it's not like. It's a never ending. Time. It's never ending work. Never ending work. Yeah. And you're just like, really? This is where we're at now? <laughs> like, ah, okay. 
talking about. How old is he? He'll be five in a few days. April seventeenth. No, thank you. I know he is very five and starting kindergarten. That's all he cares about is going to kindergarten. Can you share a little bit about your breastfeeding journey? You said it didn't work. So, do you know what happened, or just postpartum stress? I think it was mainly a lot of bad advice from, <laughs> like, really, because again, I, uh, I I went to the online classes to hear about how to do it correctly and how to help it, you know, yeah, um, start more naturally and easy. And I was sure I'm going to breastfeed, and it's going to be as simple as you know magic, and then the um the minute i got to see him after the surgery which was a few hours later because i couldn't get out of bed um uh, and you're eating my hair thank you and i tried to breastfeed him in the like mm -hmm. nursing station where mm -hmm. they have these nurses trying to help you but none of them is a lactation specialist so one of them told me your breasts, like your nipples are too big. His mouth is too little. Um, you're not doing it right. Try this way. Try this way. Try that way. They gave me like the silicone nipple that mm -hmm. can assist you yeah. if your nipples are out, not are like shallow. And basically every six hours where they change shifts, somebody told me a different story. Like one of them told me, you're not going to be able to do it. The other one said, oh, you're doing it perfectly. And basically I wasn't sure. That I'm doing it right. A couple of times we were like successful, and I felt mm -hmm. like he's breastfeeding, but I'm not sure that he got anything out. Um, and then a couple of days after the surgery, I brought uh, my parents brought me um, what do you call it in English? A pump. Yeah. And I told one of the nurses that I'm gonna start pumping. Um, so I can like save stuff for later. And she's like, no, don't start. It will bruise your nipples. So I put it aside. Oh and then gosh. the day later I already had like, it was all swollen and painful. And I got all the, you know, the nasty stuff um, that happens if you don't take care yeah. of your breasts the first couple of days. And the night nurse said he's not eating. So give him a bottle. So I started giving him like formula. And then it was even harder to get him to breastfeed. So I started pumping and setting it aside and then feeding him with a bottle. Mm -hmm. But I would only get like 20 milliliters every time. It was 15 minutes on one side, then go 15 minutes on the other side, then try to breast <laughs> and yeah. then wake up and feed him and change him and then sit and pump for another 30 minutes and then try to rest and I just, I was so frustrated that after two weeks, I decided to dry up the milk and just keep him straight on formula. Yeah, I got to keep your sanity at a certain point, you know what I do? <laughs> That's so stressful. And it sounds like you did get a lot of really bad advice, unfortunately. And very mis, like, so different, you know? That's, yeah. I would be frustrated if I was you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the last day before they let me out of the hospital, uh, the expert lactation um, nurse arrived and she said that um, there's this thing called colostrum that 
-hmm. you know, the first few hours comes out. And she said that the silicone nipple, you can't Ooh. get the colostrum out, which is basically not what I was told. And I was imagining like the baby not eating for a few days because he keep he, he does go like poop his diaper because of all the water that he swallowed in the stomach. So he might have not like had any food until I gave him the bottle and that just made me lose it. <laughs> I was like, can't trust anybody. Just do what you know, what you feel is correct. Yeah. And then I don't know. It was a rocky start. I, I was like you know, the third day that you have the drop of, um, of hormones. I was a mess. I like cried so much and I felt so miserable and I'm like, uh, I had a hard time, but, um, it's, it's, it's gotten better every day. Yeah. Well, I think it is really hard too, when you're trying to do something and you keep getting different stories about what the right thing to do is in the right way. And, and it's like, you know, you're trying to trust your instincts, but you have all these people who know experts. Than you. Yeah, experts, quote unquote. And some of them are great and they really are helpful. And some of them are are not. I I was fortunate enough I gave birth in Dallas, Texas, and we had a lactation consultant on the floor and many of them were like the international yeah. IBCLCs is the acronym and I forget exactly what it stands for. I should know it. Um and there was this one woman who every day would come in and she would just hand express my breasts like herself for each one for like five minutes. And I was like, I don't know what to do. What is happening here? And in retrospect, I think she did me a great service by literally being hands on. <laughs> literally, yeah. Literally being hands on. But it, like, to your point, if you're getting all these different stories and there's no specialist, you're mm -hmm. going to, it's going to be frustrating. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about the good stuff. What has been easy or what has brought you joy in this transition? Um, it's definitely love at first sight. <laughs> um, you can't imagine like laying on your back, knowing that this part down, you can't move and people are like messing around in your stomach and taking out stuff and putting stuff back in or whatever. <laughs> And then, and then you hear a baby crying and you're like, okay, the hard part is over. He's alive. He's, he's crying. Like they brought him over and I'm like, oh my God, I got, I got so emotional. And then, you know, it's all hard, but then you look at him and you forget everything. All the, all the, all the annoying stuff disappears because he's, he's an angel. Basically, oh. they are all angels. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, um, I'm in love. That was easy. Like the the motherhood part, um, you know, knowing that I have, I still like don't understand, don't realize. Sometimes I look at him and he, I'm like, I have a, I have a child that's insane. But <laughs> when he looks into my eyes, I'm like, I'm melted away. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What does his name mean? Negev is um, the south part of Israel, which is basically a, a big desert. It doesn't mean a big desert, but that's just the name of the desert, Negev. Ah, yeah. I love that. And there's also, well, it, it's not intentional, but there's um, 
Israeli rifle called Negev, which is really big. So all the big guys carry it in the military service. And his dad is really tall. So we were hoping to get a big guy here too. Oh, that's awesome. What do you appreciate about being in Israel and raising a family there? My my parents, um, Negev was born three days after my sister's baby. She Aww. she found out she's pregnant. She was three weeks um, along be like before me, but her baby was born on week forty one plus six days, and Negev was born thirty nine. So they're only three days apart. Um, so basically they're together, like the first babies in the family and my grandparents are so in love and they're so helpful. Yeah. 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 And, and this is the first boy in our family. So grandpa is super in love and he's super in love with grandpa, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He is. And raising a baby together with my sister. She is the kind that researches everything. I don't have to do any work. I just call her and, and I'm like, what diapers do I buy? What do I need to take to the hospital? What am I doing if he has fever? Like she tells me all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. She keeps me posted on all the good stuff. What to buy, where to buy it, what to do. That's super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, good, I don't have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. uh, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I was the uh, opposite. Anything my sister told me, I like double checked to make sure it was true. <laughs> <laughs> is this Jill? I mean, my her youngest is nine and a lot changed, changed in four years from like when he was born to when Declan was born. So I was like, is this really true? How, how much sure? older is she? She is four years older. Oh, than that's me. not a lot. Yeah, so she just turned forty-one. Yeah, but she mm -hmm. started early. Yeah, she has a. My nephew will be seventeen in September. Mm-hmm. Wow, which is crazy to me. Yeah, it's absolutely bizarre. I'm like, oh, like, and you just think about it. Like, Declan will be five. We just got back from a trip to the UK to see my in-laws, and we celebrated his first birthday there. And the pictures, like same backyard, same houses, like four years difference. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Like, I remember sitting in my in-law's house, like frustrated, you know, because like I couldn't get a cup of coffee or I needed to breastfeed or he was jet lagged and whatever it was, you know, because I travel a lot with him. And now I'm like, this kid's like bouncing through the backyard. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Like, and I don't have to pay attention. I don't have to pay attention to him as much because he's so capable. Yeah. And we're just like, oh, this is so crazy. So it is interesting. It does go by fast. Um, I can't. How is a jet lagged baby? That sounds horrible. They, so we were really, we've been really lucky with Jacqueline, to be honest. Once in a while, he, especially when he was little, uh, like. Um, Neg how do you say your son's name? Because I don't want to mispronounce it. Negev? Negev. Okay. When he was like Negev's age, he would like wake up, you know, like two o'clock in the morning for like an hour. Um, but because to him, it was like a different time where he had gone to bed too early. Um, and so we got really lucky with the fact that he would only be up for like an hour. And if like I went back to sleep, he would go back to sleep. 
And so that has carried on, but um, we do have friends who have traveled and they'll go internationally or change time zones and the kids up, you know, if they're in, if he's like morning. Hours, yeah. It's like, if it's 3am in California, they're up because their body clock, it's like, it's 3am, it's 6am. I'm up. And they're just like, so we've gotten really lucky. Um, to be honest, just a couple things here and there. And, but that's it. <laughs> like, thank you universe for looking mm. out for me. <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, Negevin is not the sleeping type. He can sleep like <laughs> during the day, but at night he still like wakes up three, four times to be fed. And if he drops his pacifier, he wakes up and he puts it by himself during the day. But at night he won't, he's just like, he waits for me. <laughs> He's like, Mom, figure this out for me. That is kind of funny, though, how he's capable during the day, but at night he's like, no, thank you. You do it, lady. I, I am fighting with the need or the want to take care of everything for him and not let him, like, struggle. And I know, in, in, like, deep inside that I, you know, he needs to learn how to do it, but it's so much, sometimes easier, sometimes faster, and sometimes... It looks like like I need to help him, even though I know that I need to let him do it by himself. That's I think strong. That doesn't change though. That will never go away. Uh, and I say this: I'm better at letting my kid struggle than my husband is. He needs the adversity, I think, too, um, to persevere and to, in my opinion, figure it out for himself or to. To build that confidence, you know, like if that's just my opinion. But I also feel like when you're, especially in the baby, the super baby stage, like a lot of times you're just trying to get through it, <laughs> keep some some form of sanity. Yeah, so, as much sleep as possible. I think he's okay. He's literally eating the books. <laughs> I'm gonna put it aside. <laughs> Do you You're need some the fiber? Here, you can't eat this. Do you want some fiber? <laughs> there you go. have a penguin. <laughs> but the book tastes better. How many teeth does he have? He has two. <laughs> yeah, Pretty right. sharp, apparently. <laughs> okay, now we know, now we know what's happening. Um you so you spend some time in America. What do you appreciate about like being in Israel versus America and vice versa? What did you what do you miss about America? America, well, I can't say America because I really spend most of the time in California and LA. But um America and Americans are lovely. Israel and Israelis are feisty. And some are lovely, but some are not. And they will let you know it to your face. Because we don't, wow. like, we're not polite. Um, Israelis say Americans are fake polite. I don't agree with that saying. I find Americans a lot more, res like Californians, uh, which is a lot of people from a lot of different places. But from my experience, it's just, there's more personal space there's more thank you and sorry a little bit you know not like the midwest but there's more than israel uh driving is still a little crazy but not as israel israel is just it's a hot place 
Um, it's hot, like economically, socially, weather-wise, and of course, politically. Um, mm. It's super hot politically. And so um, I think that's affecting a lot of people. We're just super stressed all the time. And it mm -hmm. results in people that are not nice. Um, Interesting. I am saying that, you know, I'm generalizing, of course, right, but um, it's hard. There's no lines here. If you stand, if you're, if you're waiting for a bus, you have to shove to get like on first or mm. wait till you're last. Uh, same thing at a bar. People don't like respect first come first serve. It's whoever yeah. is the loudest or can get the most attention the fastest. And... Um, Basically, I, there's so many times where I was standing in line at the bank or at the supermarket and somebody bumped into my back because they're standing so close to me um, because they're so scared that if they leave a gap, somebody will come in and cut them. Um, I think it's uh, the fear of being taken advantage of. Mm. I don't know why we fear that so much, but there's definitely a fear of if somebody's getting something more than you are getting then you are we have a word for it it's freie. it's basically you're letting somebody take advantage of you even though maybe they deserve something better than you because they're paying more or whatever but everybody's mm -hmm. afraid of being this fool who didn't get what they deserve interesting it's exhausting huh. i miss america yeah. I, I wish I could take all my friends and family and move them to California. We would all be very happy in San Diego. <laughs> oh, San Diego is gorgeous too. But I think it's interesting oh, touching on like just politics and then we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but that, you know, unspoken pressure that exists would cause like stress and anxiety kind of makes sense. Like when you think about it, uh, I never thought about it like that before. Just, I mean, it's a very small country, so even if you're, like, you don't want to talk politics, which I'm that kind of person, not because I don't care, but because I don't understand it, and it's it, it's stressful for me, um, yeah. but because it's such a small country, then you either know somebody that's in service, like military service right now, right. or that mm -hmm. fought a war and has, like, post-traumatic disorder or that yeah. was killed in uh, attack. So it's all around you all the time. And even if you're not like talking about it and dealing with it, it's it's still there. Yeah. Like exists. I told my friends two days ago, don't go to the north. People are dying there because they were just a couple of days ago shooting missiles from Lebanon. And there were like, th I think three terrorist attacks this week where wow. a tourist from Italy was killed in Tel Aviv and two sisters were killed in north of Israel. Just somebody shot at them. Like, and uh, wow. and it's, it's, it's fucking scary. Oof. Yeah. I, I think about that sometimes in my own reality, like, oh, I can't imagine living with that pressure or that stress every day. How do you do that? Um, you might not be in it every day, but just like knowing that that's happening in your country, how do you cope with that? It's not easy. Um, I personally live in places that are less like, yeah, um, crazy. I mean, 
Jerusalem and um, anywhere around the Gaza Strip and the north of Israel has always been more um, prone to right. attacks. And I would not choose to live there just because um, it's scarier. And I don't want to feel scared when I walk around like in my neighborhood. Right. Um, but also, it, it, and it's sad to say, you get used to it. You get used to hearing um, stuff going on and you get used to, mm. you know, every house has a, a, a type of bomb shelter. We just have wow. it. Wow. Yeah. It's just a different existence yes. reality than us. This is why I love having these conversations because it's such, I think it's really important to understand. <laughs> Sorry, you he know. keeps on falling You're on fine. his face and I know he's going to start crying if I don't pick him up. <laughs> yeah, figuring out yeah. You just want all the attention. <laughs> I know. It's okay. It's okay. We can make it about you too, buddy. It is actually about you. <laughs> I'm of course, I'm of course, um, you know, Whatever they say in the news is way more horrible than it actually is. Because oh, yeah. the news is trying to sell you information and not necessarily give you the most reliable or, or correct information they want you to watch. So they make it sound horrible. My first wedding was, uh, was in Israel um, to my ex and his family didn't come because they were afraid. Wow. Yep. Interesting. I agree with that too. And especially as someone who studied journalism and, you know, did internships for news organizations, I, oh, people like, like, well, Brie, why? I'm like, because I know even 10, 15 years ago when I was doing it, like, it's propaganda, you know? And it's also really interesting you bring that up. My husband has spent a lot of time in last year in Africa, like Nigeria and South Africa in particular. And he will tell you about their news perspectives um, are very different than Western news perspectives. Like, you know, for just the Ukraine war, for instance, like in certain areas, like they, if Africa, they're applauding Putin for standing up to the West and things like that. So it's just an, it's just really interesting to get the perspective that, you know, we don't have because we're told, oh, this guy's horrible, that guy's horrible, this person, and you're like, well, somewhere in there is actually the truth of the matter. So let's like apples and oranges here. It's all fruit, but, yeah. you know, so I think I just appreciate you sharing your point of view because it's very different than our, our life here in the States. And you have that as a reference point living in. You guys have California. a lot of crazy yeah. shit too. It's not, oh, yeah. it's not oh, enough yeah. for you to live in the States. <laughs> oh, oh God, don't get me. Oh, I'm not sitting here saying the United States is a picnic by any means. Don't, don't miss. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like there's, we have a different reality. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily better or, you know, and then it all depends on the area where you live oh, and, yeah. you know, the neighborhood you choose to grow up or raise your family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things like, like for my husband, he can't stand the sight of guns. You know? Gun violence is like crazy here in relation to other countries. And you can't send your kids to school because X, Y, Z, or that's a threat. So there, we have our own set of issues. So <laughs> not sitting here trying to say it's America is great. We solve all the problems. No, we, we should all go to Hawaii. Hawaii is great. <laughs> yes. 
or any any island where it's yes like, by the beach i know you guys like the beach too anywhere by the beach where you can have a cocktail in one hand a coconut in the other <laughs> or preferably the cocktail inside the coconut exactly <laughs> uh, no, i actually it was really funny because we i think i told you we were thinking about moving to spain and um we're when we're getting ready to fly to the uk um there's like this ad for St. Kitts and Nevis and they're like oh you have to do is like you know pay a hundred grand or hundred whatever it was like you know and you can have citizenship a dual citizenship and I was like how much money do we have <laughs> can we get a loan <laughs> yeah. excuse me <laughs> what can we sell to make this happen do you um do, I don't know if you knew or if you remember that I worked on Carnival Cruise Lines for a year before I came to LA Yeah. So I spent a year like going from Texas, from Galveston, basically Ooh, to oh, wow. Progresso and Key West and mm -hmm. um, the Bahamas and Cozumel. And yeah, I would definitely like happily move there. <laughs> the scariest thing there is tornado. Maybe they have like cartels. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. hurricanes um but well in Cozumel there's a lot of oh man we going down a rabbit hole there's, there's some issues now in like the Yucatan Peninsula with cartels and yeah. and I think that they are um I think part of it is to scare tourists away and part of it is that it has gotten worse um but it's more prominent in the last I don't know I think it ebbs and flows in certain areas like What are you going to do? It's, yep. Anything is a risk, you know? Everything is a risk. It's just, you know, some are more risky than others. That's it. So, and anything could happen anytime, anywhere. So I always try to remind myself of that when people are saying things are dangerous. I said, well, I grew up in one of the most dangerous cities in America. <laughs> so it's, all, it's all perspective here. Thanks. Taking this back to motherhood. Um... <laughs> He has made me so much more in the moment. Like I, I am one of those persons that have the phone in my hand all the yeah. time, but he is like, I just made myself and he made, yeah. makes me pay more attention to him. Like I put the phone aside and I'm like, I'm going to only look at you right. now for a half an hour and play with you or just even stare at him while he's sleeping. And, um, yeah. and, and I just appreciate now so much more which i had never i was never able to do that i was always like i'm always like go 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 what's next what's next what do we have to do now mm -hmm. and and now i can like appreciate just going on a walk looking at the flowers and he loves the flowers so he's just sitting there staring at trees and wind and the flowers and everything is so beautiful through his eyes and that's that's something that i never thought i would read enjoy like i like he like yeah. i do with him yeah it forces you to slow down honestly i'm not good at that either <laughs> it's hard with today it's really it's crazy whatever the phones have done to us and whoever invented it i'm suck I, i'm a sucker too but it's it's like a little break from social media and from everything and just you know when I, when He's doing something new that he never done before. Today started sticking out his tongue. I'm like, oh, yes, tongue. <laughs> you appreciate the little things. 
Yeah. And the, when he t- starts talking, though, I don't encourage that you teach him to talk or allow him to talk. I think the longer that you wait, the better, personally. Because <laughs> they don't stop. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> but um, what when he starts saying random things, you're just like, what? Where did that come from? Or they say the sweetest things like a couple weeks ago, Jacqueline was like, mommy, I'm going to keep you in my heart forever. And you're just like, okay, thanks, baby. Oh, like, so I'm not crying. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, that's really cool. But <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about your business and how Chic Doctor came about. And also, how did you get it from California to Israel? How did you make that transition happen? Um, so basically I got fired from the bar I was managing, um, because they, uh, (laughs) that's for a different podcast, but basically (laughs) the boss grabbed my ass and I said, I'm not going to sue. And then they said, she's going to be too much liability. And they let me go because they didn't like the way I was managing the place. But like I said, that's for another, that's for another, um, episode maybe, um, anyways, I took the opportunity to not go back and, and manage and, and work yeah. in bars. And I also decided I'm right. not going to be an actress if I didn't make it so far. <laughs> so I, um, was inquiring about going back to school and getting like, um, um, design, uh, something, but they told me because I don't have an American degree that I had to do four years of college and then two years of uh, university and I did not want to go through six years of school. So I just decided what is the simplest material I can work with. I decided it's wood and I started buying secondhand furniture and refurbishing it and upcycling it and selling it. And, um, in 2018, I came back to Israel. I basically bought a bunch of tools and brought them with me and opened a little shop here in Israel. And it took me about six months to maybe a year to get clients here and people to hear about me because I was like, Yelp, Yelp, Yelp. And there's no Yelp in Israel. So um, <laughs> it started with like friends of my mom and I started building stuff for my friends. And slowly I taught myself how to um, basically woodwork. And... I um, had a couple of uh, employees here in Tel Aviv and we were basically doing a little bit of everything, a little bit of handy woman stuff, a little bit of building furniture, like uh, solid wood stuff, a little bit, a lot of refurbishing because it's, it's, luckily it's been uh, really popular to not throw stuff away but to give it a, a second chance and kind of take care of yeah. earth a little bit more so people upcycle a lot of their furniture and um, when I moved to a lot uh, three years ago I opened up another business which is basically a um, place where we teach woodworking and uh, the lady I was mentioning earlier Suzanne she started working with me right away, like a few months after I got there. And she's been teaching the classes since I went on, um, 
Um, what do you call the vacation when you're pregnant? Maternity leave? Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, since May of last year, she's been managing the whole place and I'm doing the behind the scenes. And uh, That's awesome. We're teaching women. We're teaching children. We're teaching uh, special, like, um, special needs kids and teenagers. Mm -hmm. And anybody who wants to study, like, or even just do one one time classes of woodworking to create something. We're doing birthdays, which is really nice for little kids, and um, and it's wow. been great. It's been great. We've been getting a lot of good uh, reaction from um, a very small town that Eilat is. So that's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trust myself with tools. So good on you. <laughs> And making that happen and doing something kind of like unique and different you know what i mean i don't know many people who have their own woodworking business in general but then just catering especially to like women and kids that's pretty fantastic i think i um i think this business is working despite a lot of people that were afraid or didn't believe or didn't you know especially men that look at you uh, a little like woman and they're like you would work mm -hmm. it made my my tough little self say if you can't believe i do it i'm gonna prove it you're wrong and i'm gonna show you how i'm doing it and um <laughs> i have a little community of female woodworkers in israel and we're a little bit under a thousand women but we're not all professional woodworkers some are just like her hobby and stuff like that but mm -hmm. it's um it's really like catching on here in Israel, at least the, the female power. And I think on YouTube, I see a lot of American women too, like woodworking and doing mm -hmm. construction stuff. We can do yeah. it all. We can have babies and be woodworkers and fix your house. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I will hire you to come fix my house because I don't trust myself. <laughs> to do it. Everybody's got their strengths, right? <laughs> Mine is not woodworking. <laughs> Come to my class. You'll you'll uh, prove yourself wrong. I'll tell you what, though. And when I was in um, middle school, what we call it here, I was like 12, 11, 12, we had to take um, a shop class. So we learned how to use like solder and like you like cut wood. And we had to like make the, like, the patterns and everything. And I'll say I really enjoyed it. But that was so long ago. Like I wouldn't trust myself to try to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I hold this thing? <laughs> what I mean? I, um, I changed my, my tire. Um, I changed my, my car's tire a couple of weeks ago. And then I had to put the car in the shop for a regular checkup. And I went to the guy and I'm like, how much would you charge if I brought like 10 women and you taught us, you know, the basics, how to change oil, how to check the pressure of your tires and all that stuff. And he's like, just come. Just come and we'll do it for free. And I'm like, I'm definitely going to get 10, 10 women like that are interested in this and will come. Cause I feel like not, maybe not women our age, but like our mom's age, the 60, 70 year old women, they weren't, it wasn't so popular to do man stuff back then. You were, you know, a wife, maybe you had a job, maybe you didn't. And a lot of them don't. They don't know how to do a lot of basic things. And I feel it's really empowering to be like, here, 
we did a class where we taught how to change the silicone in your bathroom, in your bathtub. Yeah. And I went to a house of two of the, one of the ladies and another lady joined and we scraped all the old silicone and we, we put new silicone in and that gave her the confidence to then change the faucet that was leaking for years and then change, um, I think something, I don't remember what else it was, but she keeps on writing me like every two weeks or three weeks. Now I have like the self-confidence to do this and to do that. And I think it's amazing the fact that, you know, there's a lot of uh, single or divorced women um, nowadays too that have to rely on other people to do this stuff for them. Right. And if you can do it yourself, I feel like it's so empowering to be like, I didn't have to wait for him to put, to hang my mirror. I can do right. it by myself. And if no, you can't do it by yourself, at least you know what to tell them to do when they come and they don't bullshit you because, oh, you're a woman and you don't understand, you know, how the water works in your house yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. I've definitely had that happen, especially with car stuff. And I like when I was first driving, like my dad made sure to teach me how to change a tire, how to do this, what to do there, what to look for in the oil. Like we did all those things. And because I didn't practice them regularly, like I don't remember 20 years later how to do them. So like a refresher course. And and then you get, then I get annoyed when I get screwed over. I know someone's bullshitting me because they're like, oh, she's just like this dumb blonde chick. What does she know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I go up and get a second opinion and then I never take my car back there again because I'm like, don't fuck with me. You know what I mean? But it, I think that's a really good point that you make that it is empowering to be able to, like, take control and handle things. And I think that as women, we're so much more capable than we've been told. You know what I mean? And I, I, for me, I don't know if this resonates with you, having a, my son really showed me that, like, how badass one second he's in general <laughs> gotten way now. too close to the edge of the bed <laughs> okay sorry no baby no <laughs> there's a crib there but still like it's unreal um so sorry having your son yeah has it just kind of was like an eye-opening thing for me personally the where i just realized like how much more capable women are and like what we can do and what we've always done that might not have been acknowledged and uh, I, I consider myself like a feminist to an degree, but I also like I'm an equal opportunity employer. I always want the best person for the job. So whoever that is, man, woman, you know, white, black, pink, orange, like who cares? Like in, in, in my brain. Um, so, but what I realized with motherhood is like women really are the rock and we are the ones who are just and like engineered to be and to do and to to multitask like if you want a problem solved give it to a busy mom because she will fucking take it and run with it and yeah. i don't think if i i always had an appreciation for being a woman but it wasn't until like motherhood that i was like oh damn we're so capable <laughs> you know like we're so because you, you don't understand what it is um to to feel like you got shit under control until you're exhausted because you haven't slept a straight night for months. You are, your like mind is blown for hearing like babies crying and other people talking and you have to work yeah. and you have to take care of the house and you have to take care of the husband and you have a million things on your head, but you are still like done. Got it. <laughs> exactly. No, absolutely. Oh, it's crazy.
Motherhood is a wild ride. Uh, so with your husband now, he had two kids from a previous relationship, right? Yes. Twin boys, I believe. Seven-year-old twins. They are now oh seven. Oh, they just started first grade. Oh, my gosh. They're super in love with Negev. They don't talk to me anymore. They just call and want to talk to him. I've disappeared. Um, <laughs> but I do love it. They, we we call them brothers. It's not like half-brother or, oh, yeah. um, or whatever. And... It's been rough because I think all my husband is so protective of them and he's his time with them that yeah. he's a little bit like um he's maybe a little bit not spending enough time with Negev as I would want him to because Negev doesn't speak yet and he can't extract Oh, <laughs> his attention like they would from him. Yeah. And um, also because I'm not their mom or biological mom, at least, um, oh, always feels like he has to be their dad and their mom mm-hmm. all the time. And I give. <laughs> and um, it makes him. very confused i think it makes him very confused of how to divide the tension how to divide the time um and they are also very needy right now because he gives negative attention then they suddenly need to sit on him on his lap and they need to talk to him right now and they need his attention so of course with a uh i want to call it regular family but i don't think that exists anymore basically a family where all the kids are from the same mom and dad. Yeah. Everybody knows that the baby gets more attention and it's fine. And the kids feel the older brothers feel um, neglected and we all do the best we can to make everybody Mm -hmm. feel um, like they're part of the family and they have a job and helping raise the kid and all that stuff. But when it's um, two different moms and the children move every few days, to different yeah. houses it's very confusing to everybody like i i really was struggling with all as a dad when it's just the three of us and then the different all who's a dad with all five of us in the house i could see where that would be difficult absolutely mm-hmm. my parents were married and divorced and i had stepsisters on either side and it was always a very I was always a really go with the flow kind of kid. Um, but in retrospect, it was very like, um, I took a back seat in a lot of ways. Um, but that's a different topic for a different day. Um, at least with my mom. Um, and it is, it's a very tricky thing to navigate and it's a very tricky thing for kids to, to understand, you know, that there's still, and it's hard to, to exactly what you're saying. It's hard to divvy up that attention and to, do it successfully. I think one thing is like, you're aware of the struggle and you can address it. And that's half the battle. Yeah. <laughs> Are you playing peekaboo with me? <laughs> They're also twins, which is a, a whole other like, um, Dynam- this sounds like a lot of energy in your yes. house. Yeah. Yep. 
if they well they used to talk simultaneously to us before Negev was born and now they talk simultaneously while he's crying and then you can imagine how much patience we have for that Um, (laughs) so when you first met the met them what was that like for you to like have that relationship and have it grow it was it was really interesting because one of them opened up to me really quickly and like within a couple of days of meeting me oh yo yo within a couple of days of meeting me he already like sat on my lap he sat on my lap and he would like want me to rub his back and stuff and the other one took a longer while to warm up to me mm-hmm. they uh, were four years old so it was easier yeah they were they were super cute kids you're losing it baby they were they are super cute kids um but they were still young enough where they didn't really understand my position and what what my job or like what my part is in the family and since we were doing a long distance relationship they really only got to know me well after i moved nine months after we started dating where i moved in with them uh in a lot yeah really baby really baby is that what happened tell me tell me tell me again (laughs) i think the fact that he didn't fall asleep earlier is now you know um we we're we're paying for it right that's any shown maybe now do you want to sleep if i speak in hebrew would he go to sleep i love it <laughs> I won't understand what you're saying, but you can speak Hebrew all you want. <laughs> all I know is Mazel Tov. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> oh, well, we can wrap this up so that you can take care of the little nugget. Um, is there anything else you want to share about your journey to motherhood and what it's like living your life? <laughs> I do. I do. I actually, um, I started taking, I think it's been a month and a half. Um, ago I started taking, I'm not sure it's antidepressants, but it's, um, it's for anxiety. I started taking anxiety medication and, um, the psychiatrist didn't, she said she doesn't think it's postpartum depression, but I, I definitely like felt not myself for a really long time. And my family is the, like the healthiest both my parents are like they studied gym in college and they were sports like physical education teachers and my dad was a krav maga uh, he is a krav maga grandmaster and wow. they were super anti like pills for yeah. for a lot of stuff but mainly uh, psychiatry stuff so I had a really hard time telling them that I'm doing it and or telling myself that that's what I need but I've been feeling much better since I started taking it and I know in the United States it's a lot more common to take yeah. antidepressants and stuff like that but in Israel it's not like I don't have any friend that takes medication and um, people are like kind of surprised that i'm me like hila would take something like that but i do want to say that 
if you do feel <laughs> that you're having a hard time going yeah. back to being who you were before, then you definitely have to take care of yourself because you, depression doesn't look like one way. It's not just like staying in bed and not feeling like leaving. You can still go out and take care of your family and take care of yourself and still feel really shitty. So Absolutely. Um, if anybody's listening, uh, go go get help. I, I definitely talked to um, a, a therapist and I'm taking my medication so far. It's been better. I'm hoping to get off of it soon, but it has helped me a lot. Well, I think you bring up a very valid point about postpartum and motherhood. And I think sometimes we forget that our um, th there's this great book. I mentioned it in another podcast, but I just like started rereading it. It's called The Female Brain. And our chemically, our brains do shift during pregnancy and in postpartum. And like that will never happen in a, in a biological man's life um, the way it does for women. And I think it's really important to highlight that you are different after you become a mom. You are different the moment you become pregnant. And when your hormones are either level out postpartum or don't level out postpartum, I think what you're saying to people is absolutely poignant. It's essential to get help, especially if it's lingering. And postpartum can happen the day after birth or a year after birth. And that could be anxiety, anything, anything like that can be, it can take time to really show its true colors. So I think that's a really good thing to bring to light. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you're, you have to be able to take care of your kids, you know, if, you if you're not healthy. You have to be able to take care of yourself, which yeah. is you know, something you forget when, yeah, you're when you healthy, have a new baby. If you're not healthy, how can you take care of anybody else? You know, if you're not, I say that to my husband all the time. I was like, if I'm not good, y'all are going to be good. <laughs> you know, uh, who gave me the best um, example is like when you're flying and they say, if something happens and the mask fall out, first put the mask yeah. on yourself, then... Um, put it on your kid. And that's yeah. basically what, what we need to do first, take care of ourselves so we can take care of them. Yep. And they would disturb the whole podcast and not let anybody hear what mama says. <laughs> I think he did a great job for his first interview. I think he did great, buddy. Megev, you want to say something? No, don't eat the cable. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen what those chompers can do, buddy. <laughs> well, Hila, thank you so much for sharing some of your day with us. And Yegev, I really you. appreciate it. Until next time, people, I hope you're having fun learning all the things you didn't know you needed to know. <laughs>